time. Time is running out. Calling all patriots and lovers of our constitutionally protected, God-given, self-evident, innate legal rights in Tennessee and the United States of America. If you are sickened by the liberty-eroding activities of a government that hates you, then it is time to wake up. If you are fed up with the tyrannical leadership on display by all levels of government, now is the time to listen to your reveille call. If you are equally tired of the political class, the new aristocracy, lying to you in their pursuit of power and control, now is the time to take a stand in the arena. Please welcome your host, Larry Linton, U.S. Navy veteran and candidate for Tennessee House of Representatives to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Welcome to this special episode of the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast, ladies and gentlemen. As promised, I'm airing the first half of my appearance with Dr. Alan Keyes on his Let's Talk America show on the Brighteon streaming service. I was unable to share the video on my social media pages because, once again, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter have deemed the material shown on Brighteon harmful. Unlike the depravity that is regularly aired, like somebody live-streaming a shooting rampage in Memphis, nope, the digital masters of the universe deem it harmful because it can lead to people engaging in an activity that is detrimental to our government's hold on power. That activity would be critical thinking. I realize that Dr. Keyes is speaking much more than I do in these segments, but I believe that is great as well, because there are few people left in the conservative movement that fight as hard as this man has and continues to. He is well-versed in our constitutional history and a great Christian thinker that I believe more people should listen to and learn from. Anyway, let's get on with the first half of my appearance. I'll be back on the other side to close out the segment. Welcome to IMTV. I'm Alan Keyes, and this is Let's Talk America, coming to you on the Brighteon.tv platform. Uh, I want to say a uh, shout-out to the people at Brighteon for the wonderful work that they've been doing, uh, building up a cadre of folks who don't forget certain things about our way of life in America and who therefore base their presentations uh, on those things, including the fact that we have a constitution and a God, a constitution derived, in fact, from the authority that the people derive from God himself, not the authority of our arms, not the authority of our victories in battle, but the authority of God transcending all of that is what authorizes the very existence of our country. I think a lot of folks, including a lot of people in our political leadership, are these days absolutely bound and determined to forget that, uh, to act as if there is no higher authority to which we must answer as a whole people. Uh, and I think they are defeating what was the intention of our, our founding fathers. Uh, I'll be talking with Larry Linton about that right after we get back from these messages. Welcome back. As I said, I'm Alan Keyes. With me today is Larry Linton. Uh, now, Larry is a candidate for the House of Representatives. Is that what it's called in Tennessee? Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. In, in, in Tennessee. He's running in the 12th the district. Uh, and, and I am so pleased to have him on, partly because the challenge that we're facing right now, and I think most of us by now must be awakening to that truth. We have gone through a period when 
it's become clearer and clearer that on the excuse of this crisis or that crisis or the other crisis, our government of, by, and for the people is being turned into a subjection of the people to the whims of the government. Uh, and, and you actually see it now, I think, more clearly than ever, uh, because the Democrat Party, over the course of uh, the latter half of the 20th century and into the 21st, has uh, increasingly came under the influence of the very ideologies that we spent most of the 20th century opposing. I've always right. thought that was fascinating. <laughs> I mean, here we are. We have spilled blood and treasure several times over in various conflicts and wars. Uh, and what have we been fighting against? Uh, we were, even in World War I, fighting against rule that was not in the hands of the people as a whole. Uh, and then it becomes even clearer when you're dealing with the Nazi, fascist, communist. They always try to pretend there's this big difference. The other day, <laughs> Biden gets on television and he's calling the people who oppose him semi-fascists. What on earth does that mean, by the way, semi-fascist? It's a new I word. bet half the people in this country, sadly, don't even know if you ask them what is fascism, they wouldn't be able to tell you. Uh, uh, so what are we talking about? Well, if you get to the nub of it, when you're dealing with fascism and Nazism versus communism, the first thing you should remember, and I say still some people, Larry, might not even know this from history. Guess who for a time, uh, which uh, leaders were for a time trying to put together a situation where they were cheek by jowl, they even fought a little war side by side to despoil, uh, in particular, Poland and some other countries in Eastern Europe. <laughs> it was Stalin and Hitler. They didn't seem to think there was this vast difference between the totalitarianism of Nazism and the totalitarianism of communism. They could work together. As it turned out, of course, even though the, the Soviet Union actually saved itself from the Germans by allying with the United States. What Americans fooled themselves into thinking that they were anything like our, our country. Uh, we knew that they weren't because they don't have a government of, by, and for the people. They have a government, uh, at basically at that time, that was of the communists, by the communists, and for whatever goals the communists thought were right. Well, right now, we as Americans, Larry, I think, are faced with a situation where uh, this seems to be d developing as the stark choice before the American people. When, when you look at the next several years, um, how do you feel about the situation that we're in? Uh, because you are somebody who right now, you're standing to run for office at the, what I think of always in my mind as the real grassroots, right? The, the state assemblies and the local governments, that's where we live. And yet, if you get the present trends, it also seems to be an area. I was thinking about it today because some, some uh, judge just made the judgment that, um, that uh, the, the uh, Michigan law that automatically came back into effect after Roe v. Wade was mm -hmm. overturned right. uh, was a 1931 law that basically prohibited abortion. And she is saying that there's a constitutional right to abortion in her, in her decision. And I'm sitting there reading it and thinking, and I said, but didn't the Supreme Court just say that that's not so? I thought that they said it explicitly. There is no constitutional right to abortion. Therefore, at no level do you have the right to claim as a judge that there's a constitutional right to abortion. That issue was just addressed and resolved by the highest authority, the Supreme Court. That's why it's called that, by the way, mm -hmm. for the whole country. 
Uh, but she's ignoring it because they do now. They simply ignore it. Uh, and as I look at the country, I'm wondering, are people waking up to the really precarious state of affairs that we now face as a whole people? Every citizen of the United States ought to be focused on this challenge to our self-government. Am I making sense? You are, and uh, we are on the cusp of if we can save our country or not. We absolutely are. Uh, we have a government that's run amok in the federal government that doesn't even follow the Constitution that set it up. Uh, we have a state government that is failing to stand in the gap between a federal government and the people that they're supposed to represent. And, that, and that's why I decided to step into the arena and defend this. States, a lot of people don't understand the Constitution. The federal government is not a partner to the states in the Constitution. The federal government is a product of the agreement between the states, and the states are sovereign. States have forgotten, or maybe not even forgotten that role. They've just willfully ignored it because the federal government comes with money in hand. Mm -hmm. So they purchase all this compliance or ignorance. And it's, it's high time that it stops because the federal government is, it is, it's out of control. And See, I was wondering as I was reading about this decision. Here's a judge uh, uh, making a decision that claims that somewhere in the Constitution, uh, the national government, and, and Pelosi's pushing this sort of line, right. that they could pass at the national level a piece of legislation that regulated marriage. Absolutely. So that they could get the, the Roe v. Wade back. And I'm thinking to myself, I've read the Constitution a lot. Right. And since it's a relatively short Constitution, <laughs> You can read it through several times. You can read it through a dozen times in the course of a year, and you won't have spent that much time doing it. It's a short, concise little constitution as constitutions go, right? Um, and I don't see anywhere in there the delegation of power to the national government to address the issue of marriage. That's, a, that's one of the Tenth Amendment residual powers that are left in the hands of the states. Why is everybody forgetting this? I don't know. The, the Article 1, Section 8, which you referred to, the enumerated powers, and the Founding Fathers stated this, if it's not listed, it is reserved to the states and That's the people. Right. And because they have very specific powers, well, they, they ignore them all the time. You can see every bill that is introduced in the House of Representatives comes with this constitutional authority statement in there. And they'll list one of those clauses, and it has absolutely nothing to do with the bill proposed. Mm -hmm. But the people, through our apathy, we've, we've allowed this to happen over the course of many generations now and it's time for every single citizen to take a stand in the arena and say no federal government you work for us state government you work for us that's right and so that's what i hope to remind people with my campaign that the general assembly works for the people and the federal government works for the states why do you think it is and and i kind of uh, know the answer to this question but i need to ask it so that you can uh share your thoughts with people uh, why do you think it is that at the level of the state governments, I, I suppose I could understand it if you get elected to the Senate of the United States, to the House of Representatives, some people go there and forget right. who they're supposed to still be working for. Right. You're a representative from this district in this state, and those are the folks that you're supposed to have in mind to make sure that their understanding of things, their conscience, their priorities are being reflected in what you do. It seems to me, though, when I look around at the state governments and the general assemblies and senates and, and, and so forth that are there, a lot of the people now in those bodies seem to have forgotten that in relation to those powers that are left in the hands of the states, 
they actually have the sovereign power still under our Constitution to make judgments within their state territories and for their people. And that this actually occurs in respect of something that otherwise is a delegated power. Uh, the power to make sure that this country is not being invaded by others. Correct. There's an explicit exception in the Constitution that makes it clear that they should not have any control over arms and armed forces except within the state for law enforcement and, and, and protection, except in the event of an actual invasion. invasion. And I think most of us understand <coughs> that though we're not fighting at the border with arms right now in terms of two armies facing each other, people are still coming across our border in contravention of our laws without our permission. Last time I looked, that's an invasion. And it's being facilitated by the federal government. Yes. And they're, they're, they're abdicating their Article 4 of the Constitution responsibilities to protect us from invasion. And they're sliding it into our, into our state and our General Assembly is not fighting for the sovereignty of our state. Now, what do you think leads to this transformation of the sense of duty that at one time, and, and I know this about throughout the whole 19th century, you walked into a state government and they were, among other things, going to be greatly concerned to make sure that the national government wasn't trying to take over their state. Right. They understood that there was a line of demarcation and that they had to observe the limits that were laid down in the Constitution. Has just, that just been tossed overboard by people at the state level or should we point the finger at, at a culprit right now who seems to have abandoned the basis of the country? There's multi, multiple parts to that. The primary driver is the 16th Amendment, which gave the federal government first cut of the money, and they use that as the carrot and stick to get compliance from not only the state governments, but from people themselves. Mm -hmm. So they use money, our own money, our own sweat equity, to punish us or reward us. And so they've done that to the states. So that's why the states have backed off from enforcement because they're afraid of losing federal money, which is, in essence, their citizens' own money to begin with. Mm -hmm. So they've forgotten their role in that. And it's all about money. It's about political action committee money or special interest group money or federal funding for in their districts. That has to stop. I'm not about that. I, haven't, I won't take any PAC money. I won't take any special interest money. I'm only taking money from the citizens. Mm -hmm. And as opposed to my opponent, whose majority of his donations come from outside this district. Mm. So people forget that. When they get to Nashville or when they get to D.C., they forget that they are a servant leader for the people that put them in the office. It's a position of special trust and responsibility that they have just lost sight of because of money. Well, I think at one time we would kind of have thought, well, yes, that's true, but surely there are forces opposing it and uh, uh, that, that our party system is somehow supposed to take care of that. Uh, what has happened to the idea that we have this quote-unquote two-party system? I always try to correct people because in point of fact, formally speaking, we do not have a two-party system. Nothing in the Constitution says you can only have two parties. Correct. Uh, and, and, and so forth. And, I, I, and, and then you have to ask yourself, well, has it been more stable? Has it been more uh, representative of the people? And therefore, she, uh, is it right to somehow discourage other parties from getting involved? But even if it, you decided that you thought that this was the right way to behave, the Constitution still allows for people to get organized for political purposes around their common beliefs. And, and so you couldn't stop them from right. forming such an organization and lifting up candidates and so forth and so on. Why is it that it starts to look like, whether the, when the sound and fury settles down, 
that the Republican Democratic parties, uh, though they're always acting as if they're at each other's throats, we still seem to have sunk more and more into a system that treats the people as if the only time they care about us is when it's time to go to the polls. They're never thinking about actually representing the conscience, heart, and mind of the people and caring uh, for their capacity to retain their sovereign control over government at every level. Do you think these two parties have, in fact, abandoned that role of representing the people? Absolutely. They're, they're a uniparty, is what I've heard. In uh, fact, I chose not to run as a member of the GOP because I've seen the corruption firsthand. The GOP first would not have let me run because I have not met their bona fides for the state of Tennessee. You have to have voted in three out of the last four primaries. And I just retired from the Navy and moved here in 2017. So I haven't been here for that many primaries. And then they instituted a pay to play. So you have to pay the GOP in the state of Tennessee $500 to run as a member of the GOP for the General Assembly. Mm. And, uh, and it's a political donation. It's not mm. a fee. It's a donation that you have to list as a political donation. So it's pay to play and it's keeping people out from participating in their self-governance, which is contrary to the stated party platform of the national GOP. And once you see, once they all get into D.C. or they get into Tennessee, Tennessee in particular, we have a supposed Republican supermajority, 76 to 24 percent Republican versus Democrat. Yet why can't we get any conservative legislation passed? Why can't we get any legislation passed through the General Assembly that protects the liberty of the people instead of erodes the liberty of the people? Mm. Because they're the uniparty. They're only caring about themselves, the political hierarchy in the parties themselves. Now, I would have to say, and everybody who watches this show, you've probably guessed by now that I, I partially believe that what you're saying is an accurate depiction of what's going on and what I have experienced over the course uh, of my time working in American politics. I do, however, believe that right now there's a sharp distinction between these two parties. Uh, and even though the Republicans are not doing, I think, uh, a, a creditable job as such uh, of representing what's supposed to be the role of the government versus the people, right? right. They're not representing that element, which a lot of them got confused about in college or somewhere, I don't know. <laughs> they don't realize that we're the sovereign people of the United States. The people as a whole are in the position that used to be occupied by kings and emperors and queens and so forth and so on, right. but not in America. In America, that's the whole people of the United States. Now, of course, we have different views. So who is going to exercise that power which is actually consigned to our various governments at various levels? That's determined by elections. But it seems to me that those elections were always intended to ascertain the will of the people, right? So you're looking for that, and the people are not just left to decide everything for themselves, by the way, in terms of what's right and wrong. They can't just set up robber baron governments and have, just because they won the last election, they can dip into everybody else's pocket and steal from them, well, and so forth and so on. That's not supposed to happen. They're doing it now. <laughs> they're fi they've figured out, wait, so that's <coughs> not supposed to happen. They are supposed to be governed by the authority to which we appealed as a people, right? Right when we set up this government of, by, and for the people. What authority was that, by the way? It was God Almighty himself. It was the authority of God. Uh, and though a lot of Christian-minded people forget it, 
uh, the Constitution of the United States and the Declaration of Independence, uh, the Declaration in particular, uh, when they refer in the Constitution to the natural law, which is done once or twice in the, in the Constitution itself, um, uh, and when in the Declaration they make their appeal to justify breaking away from the King of Great Britain, uh, which a lot of people thought, by the way, could be construed mm. as a violation of law, a violation of the fundamental premises of good right. government. Uh, but they didn't justify it on the basis of, well, we've got to go out and win the battle now because the battle's going to determine whether we rule. That's what the communists think. Right. Just because you have the power, you have the actual authority to rule. That's not true of the United States. The people of the United States appeal to the authority of God. Have we forgotten that? It's, it's a transcendent authority, and that means also they talk about God-endowed unalienable rights. But they always act as if right equals freedom. But right doesn't equal freedom. Freedom is simply the opportunity to choose. Right determines how you use that choice. And if you use it to do right, then you have the right. right. But according to what standard? The standard was God. Why have we forgotten that? Because that's essential, it seems to me, to the unique quality of our sovereign power as a people. It's purposeful. Government has tried to replace God as the grantor and keeper of rights. So that's on purpose. They've got to, they have to erase God from the nation's conscience in order to completely rule mm. instead of mm. allow the people to rule. See, I think that's why they've gotten into the habit of acting as if the rights we possess come from the Constitution. This is not. <laughs> they don't. No, they don't. I said that And that, that all was the clearly time. stated by the people who wrote the Constitution. Correct. <laughs> so the backdrop of their thinking was we stand on this ground. The overall authority of the people comes from God. And since it is an authority that is to act in accordance with right determined by God, the people then have a standard by which they can judge whether the people who say that they're representing us in the government are actually using power properly or abusing it in contravention of our God-endowed rights. I think it's essential to get that point across, but I think that the leftists in particular have been doing everything in their power to cut people off from knowledge of what we just said. Absolutely. And it starts with what is so-called public education. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of my party platforms is our public education system, which is government education, is broke in this country. It has to be completely scrapped and started anew or goes back to the way where the parents actually do it. Because the government will, A, never educate you on, your constitu on the Constitution and how this is a self-governing country. Or B, they will not let you learn about God, which is the f basis for the foundation of this country. So government has purposely erased that from our public schools. And we've created generations now of people that don't know what our Constitution says. They don't know their responsibility for citizenship in this republic. Mm -hmm. And so we have to scrap that and start over. Mm -hmm. And it starts with low... Your board of education at the county levels or your city levels is the level of government that is closest to the people themselves. And by the people, through their apathy, not controlling them, we have got what we got. Mm. And we have to change course quickly mm. because we're on that cusp. We've talked about that before the show. 
the, the nation is on a cusp of either complete totalitarian rule or back to uh, the system of self-governance that our founding fathers provided to See, us. And I, and I think we've sort of come to that point where the people who want to overthrow our government of, by, and for the people are using every possible means to do so. I found it ironic when I was watching alleged President Biden up there um, uh, giving his talk the other day. Uh, and, and he's railing on uh, about how uh, the MAGA people are somehow this be a huge treasonous threat to the country. And I'm thinking of uh, all the different times when I've been to rallies and things all over the country that uh, uh, involve uh, conservative-minded people, the people who then were rallying around Donald Trump uh, uh, behind the slogan of Make America Great Again. And I don't remember any violence. I don't remember anything occurring in those instances that suggested that the people who were dedicated to restoring respect for our government of, by, and for the people didn't realize that that's constrained by an understanding authority that has you behaving right. according to the civil law so that you engage in these things in a civil way uh, that's not resorting to arms. But I do recall that Black Lives Matter and all these Democrat-backed people, they were out there burning the place down. Billions they of dollars They literally destroyed, the, you know, had cities going up in smoke. Are we supposed to not see this difference? Because it seems to me he's accusing, as the communists say you should, by the way. <laughs> if you read some of the uh, uh, communist things in Gramsci and so forth, one of the things that they learned from the Nazis and the fascists, apparently, was uh, the technique that says you must always accuse your opponent of, what you're of being you. <laughs> that, takes the, that, that gets everybody to assume that you're not them, when in fact you're doing worse than they do. You're facilitating so, it, you're paying for it, you're right. enabling it all. And, and I think that that, that that was basically his speech. He was trying to shift focus so that we wouldn't wake up and say, no, no that's what you guys stand for. That's what your people do. You go out and you commit violence and you burn the cities down and so forth and so on. You absolutely uh, put things before us that have no constitutional basis. Um, do you think we still are coming in time and do you think that others, including people in the Republican Party, but also the conservative uh, 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 and constitutional minded uh, uh, world in America in general, do you think we're doing enough no. to wake people up to the fact that what is going on is not based on caring for us, but two things, intimidating us and bribing us, neither of which, by the way, is a reliable test of whether they actually mean to represent us. Correct. We're, we're, they're not doing enough. Nobody's doing enough. Because it actually, in, in our system of government, well, it, it takes everybody to participate. Well, um, that's uh, a score. Uh, we have a break here, and we'll be right back to talk about this further after these messages. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we'll close out this week. I truly hope you enjoyed that segment and we'll tune in next week to catch the conclusion of the appearance. We'll also close the show with some wisdom from God's Word. This week, it comes to us from 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This work to restore our Christian-inspired foundational principles is not work that will be in vain. Shaking off the yoke of apathy that has gripped our system of self-governance will bear the fruit of liberty that our future generations will be able to enjoy. 
Abandoning that work, though, leaves our children, our grandchildren, and all of our future generations in jeopardy of living under tyranny. Together, standing in the arena, we can save the Republic. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.